What makes it a strategy RPG, and what makes it just an RPG with strategies? Today on the Commune Podcast, we'll be talking about Live Alive, a game that lives on the edge between JRPG and SRPG. Hello, and welcome back to the Commune Podcast uh, number seven. Remember, there is no number six. Uh, (laughs) This week we're playing, well, for the next month or two, we'll be playing Live Alive which is a Super Nintendo Japanese RPG from Squaresoft. So, but, uh, but, but before we get into the meat of the podcast, let's just uh, meet everybody this week. How are you doing, Shouty? Um, I'm doing okay. How about you? I'm, I'm, I'm uh, unprepared for the question. That's how I'm doing. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Wario fan, uh, how's, how's the day treating you? Oh... So, so far, so good. Alright, I'd like to hear that. And, uh, Supeg, our last guest, how are you doing? I am, uh, doing quite well, thank you. Alright, looks like everybody's whole in one piece. Uh, so, Wario fan, what have you, what have you been playing since the last time you were on the podcast? <laughs> I have been absorbed into, uh, Runner 2. Are you like a playable character, or? <laughs> yeah, I have become one with the game. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, I- I'm really enjoying it so far. I really like the first one too, so uh, I'm really digging it. It's also got, you know, as a as a bonus, Charles Martinet's in it. So oh that's... yeah, I did. Uh, I heard that. Yeah. Is it as hard as the first one? I played through the first world at a friend's house, so I I know what the beginning um, is like. There's a uh I don't think this was in the original Wii release, but there's a, a difficulty select now in this one, so that's that's something. Okay. So are you enjoying the music? Uh, anything notable? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean the whole series is based around uh, rhythm, so um of course it's it's all uh, the music is always fun to listen to. There's um, you know, extra characters here, extra moves. It's uh, it's all secret stages and everything, like all the Super Mario World alternate route style. It's it's great. That's a little weird. In a rhythm game. <laughs> yeah. That's. They huh. went all out. Okay. Supeg, what have you been playing since the last time you were on? Well, um, I've been playing a lot of uh, Fire Emblem Awakening recently. So, on casual or uh, or normal? Casual. Always casual. <laughs> forever casual. I will never ever play Fire Emblem not on casual. Does that mean you won't play older Fire Emblem games? That means I will not play older Fire Emblem games. That is exactly what that means. <laughs> but, uh, as though, on casual mode, though, is it is it holding up? It holds up extremely well. Uh, I, I've beaten it, It's a, and I'm still playing it. It's just a great game. So are you planning to... You've beaten it and you're still playing it. Uh, are you looking at DLC? Um, well, there's not actually enough room on my 3DS for the DLC, but I probably won't get any DLC. There's, like, enough content in the game already that the DLC doesn't really appeal to me. That's cool that Nintendo is taking that approach with DLC, as opposed to um, making it so you have to buy the ending. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would that would not be good. Um, they 
they uh, they made their pledge that it was all going to be additional content and that none of it is on the cartridge, and that seems to be true. So, I um maybe Nintendo's really slow on DLC, but I do like the approach they've been taking. Um, They're like, slow in a very very good way here. Yes. Um, maybe some of the stuff is overpriced. Like I don't know about three dollars for one map. Um. But I'm excited to see where stuff like New Super Luigi Brothers goes. Yeah, I'm excited for that. As long as it's some not... of the yeah, some of the DLC for Fire Emblem is like cheating, basically. Like, there's this one that just makes it really easy to get gold, and there's this one that makes it really easy to get legendary weapons and stuff like that. That's the but for the, that's the for the most part, part, though, it's like extra characters and extra maps and stuff. So it's pretty good. Extra characters seems a little cheap. There's like two ways to get extra characters, isn't there? Yeah, it's it within the context of Fire Emblem and this game in particular, extra characters is not cheap at all. It it kind of works, and actually, the extra characters kind of suck because of how the game works. But okay, so between Fire Emblem and Live Alive, which one's the better tactical RPG? Um, Live Alive, Live Alive, that game isn't. Really, I don't really consider it a tactical RPG. So, oh my, I guess we're it getting just kind later. of, yeah, it just kind of has a similar battle system, but I think much more of your experience in Live Alive happens outside of outside of battle. There's so much that happens in the game that's like story related and okay stuff like that. So, so Shouty, have you been playing video games? Yeah, I have. Would you be able to discuss them? Yeah, I can't. And I'm playing Game Boy Advance. Ooh! It was one of the um, later releases in Game Boy Advance's lifetime. Is that 2006? Yeah, 2006. I didn't get it when it came out. I thought about it, but I never got it until, like, very recently. And, um, I've always wanted to play it in, uh, I think I'm satisfied with uh, what it's given me so far. I liked it. Um, anything uh, notable about it? Um, well, it's made by Game Freak, and it's not a Pokemon game. Yeah, I wish they would do more than Pokemon. Well, uh, Harmonite is coming out soon. Oh, that's true. And, um, it's under this uh, this system where if you can present an idea and other people agree with it, they'll give you three months' time to work on it. And if they think the production is going well, they'll give you three more months. And if it's still going strong, uh, they'll give you six months and they'll take your production seriously. And that's how Game Freaks works? That's how it works now. And that's uh, um, the system under which... Uh, Armor that was being developed. Okay. I don't think Jodos are had that uh that luxury. I like um I guess what I, the only thing I remember from Jodos are really is the music. Yeah, the music is pretty good. Game Freak makes great music. I didn't love that music. Yeah. I've um I played it some other time. And I've, I was stuck at this one boss, 
that involves some really awkward controls. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about that. There's <laughs> like really long tubes and you have a limited time. Oh no, not that. I, I just beat that, but there's oh. one... Uh, I don't want to spoil it though. I'll just say that his upper control is enough. <laughs> I didn't realize it could be made easier with a simple button, depending on how to use it. But yeah, it's very fun. And I'm, and I'm pretty glad I made the purchase. So I'm as happy as I thought I'd be while playing it. You're not as happy? No, I am. Oh, okay. You, you correctly estimated your happiness. Level. Yes, my satisfactory levels. For those not familiar with Live Alive, uh, it's got a turn-based combat system like any standard Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest game. Uh, but your characters are placed on a checkerboard. So, uh, the first thing that came to my mind was, you know, Shining Force, or Fire Emblem. But, well, I'm not sure it's that simple. Let's take a look at how people played and see if we can suss out where exactly Live Alive fits on the spectrum of things. For this week in Live Alive, we played the caveman chapter. I guess first off, uh, what was your favorite move? What what particular move did you find the most useful, uh, Seepeg? Uh, for the most part, I, I just kind of hit things with a stick. It it seemed to be better than most of his other moves. Uh, as like un, until uh, a certain point, like he has several moves early on, which I didn't find very useful. He has a kick, which didn't seem very useful. Um, eventually he started a fire, which I liked, and it was also cute because he was a caveman. Um, and it, like, it made me feel like I was being tactical because it also made one of the spaces be fire and it could hit the enemy several times, and so I liked that move. But for the most part, I did the normal attack. I think, um, I think the kick is useful when you need to push enemies away from you. Is that what it does? If, if it's a smaller enemy, if it's a bigger enemy, it won't budge. Mm. I also really dug the fire move, uh, except that there's a build-up time. Yeah, there is. I guess uh, starting a fire does take a while. <laughs> Especially if you're a caveman. <laughs> you have to make it legitimately. Yeah, they have to, you have to put time in R&D. Yeah. I don't think Pogo had a letter. <laughs> so, Shouty, did you find yourself uh, liking any move in particular? Um, I think my favorite move was one of Gory's, uh, in which he threw his species at an enemy and it created a poison field. Oh, that's what that was? Yeah. That was feces? Yeah, it was a little turd. Oh. It was feces? Yeah. I didn't. I didn't know that. No, what what else could it be? <laughs> That's disturbing, though. During the first half of the game, that move was really useful because um, it did enough damage to enemies and it cleared up enough space that um, it was worthwhile. 
but I found that around the midway point, it was just too weak to be useful. Yeah, but it's a, it's a special place in my heart. <laughs> because of the feces or because of the spaces? <laughs> a little both. <laughs> Wario fan, did you have a favorite move? Well, I just uh, went with the basic uh, bang bang attack. You know, most of the time, I uh, I severely misjudged how this game rolls, so uh, I kind of felt pressured to, to to choose my move right away. So I just kept mashing the A button. Oh, you were playing it like a ATB. Yeah. Active time battle, right? Right. I guess my favorite move eventually was uh, the burp text. They usually cleared up a huge portion of the screen, and they they were like, a little. The damage was okay. Yeah. It felt like that move was specifically invented for, like, those massive caveman enemy encounters. Ah, those were really annoying. But, thankfully, with Burp, they were slightly less annoying. Yeah. There was also, um, there's a screen, like, uh, Pogo learns one technique that clears out the entire screen, I think. Oh, that's what I was talking about. What are you talking about? That oh the entire screen technique was like a confusion technique or something. The Maybe burp, I just know it did a little damage to everyone, so yeah. it like cleared out all the cavemen. I think all the burp techs had like a limited uh, field. Maybe it wasn't a burp then, but he did have that screen clear move. Yeah. So I guess uh, from there, how did you build a strategy whenever you got into a battle, Shadi? Um, I didn't really feel the need to strategize. At least for caveman. I think I just used, uh, if I was like far away, I guess I would use the, um, the fuse's attack. Or if, I don't know, nearby, I would just use normal attacks. If I had the girl, I would just heal whenever uh, I needed to. Okay, so it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Uh, Wario fan, is that how you feel? Um, well, I had, I had pretty poor planning, uh, during my playthrough. Um, a anything that was, like, bigger than four squares, I ran away. <laughs> Isn't it all the enemies? Shut up! In this game, it's, like, every enemy, pretty much. <laughs> you were, you were, you were murdering innocent puppies in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> and you were perfectly to, fine like, with that. <laughs> baby mammoths and that's when it starts getting a little intimidating then you see this <laughs> saber tooth tigers and they're taking up like 16 squares and I'm like no way I'm not gonna win that one well you're gonna have fun when you fight like a 10 square Hulk Hogan <laughs> oh, Hulk Hogan no. is a caveman right? <laughs> oh, no. it's eternal I uh, everyone's brother. <laughs> it is really satisfying when you meet larger enemies. I I feel like I like getting to beat up big things. Yeah, that's what being caveman is all about. That's the true. Being a bully. I learned that yeah. from the Flintstones. Yeah. Uh, you know, it is weird in JRPGs like this though. How a lot of times, like the player characters are pretty small. And then the enemy characters, who are also humans, are really big. I think that just makes me more relatable. <laughs> I mean, aren't you small? 
Final Fantasy VI has a huge problem with that, where, like, the, the player sprites <laughs> are super ugly and super teeny tiny, and then all the enemy sprites have, like, no animation, but they look like normal things. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, that's that's kind of true in this game, too. Well, I, oh, I like the player sprites more in this than in Final I like them, but they're, they're small and... Yeah. If you can tell when... Um, you're gonna fight against a character who's gonna join you up later. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so Shouty, how did you how do you build uh strat Sorry, Ooh, I did it again. Uh Sufeg, how do you build strategies? Uh well in the in the caveman chapter it's not as necessary. Um because in the caveman chapter you can grind a lot. And I, I kinda did grind a lot. Like I was I was always pretty oh, man. well powered. Grinding. Um, like coffee. But, right. Um, you can oh. sniff out your enemies. You know where they are. It's very handy. But uh, um, usually I just tried to, it, like the level of battle system is all about positioning. So I tried to kind of have the ape and pogo in like different corners of the screen. So then between the two of them, they could take out all the enemies without having to move too much. Oh, I see. It's a it, you kind of bottleneck them. So they can't surround you. Well, I, they actually did kind of surround me. Oh. That was kind of the idea, but because Pogo and the ape can both take plenty of hits, it worked out. When I had the girl, I basically had them on either side of the girl kind of protecting her. Yeah, that's I did that too. Oh, I just hid her away somewhere. She <laughs> <laughs> kept dying on me. Yeah, I, I usually had the girl in the center, and then they were on either side of her, protecting her. Is that a move in chess? Is that what castling is? <laughs> uh, does anyone know what the hell castling is? No. Yeah, it's a thing from chess <laughs> where, like, you move your king over your rook or something like that, and it creates a, a barrier with your rook. I'm glad someone knew. Um, I think the latest manus of terms. <laughs> lame manus. Um, you call me lame? Our fun show, eh? <laughs> I, uh, That's your reasonable explanation. I enjoyed experimenting with positioning and like walking around behind enemies and seeing uh, where they could attack and how I could manipulate um, the ranges of their attacks. Like, uh, the dinosaur's main attack hit diagonally in front of him, and then his secondary attack, which wasn't as powerful, was, like, all around him. Um, yeah. So it was neat getting to learn that stuff about enemies. I enjoyed running that positioning. Um, yeah, that's, that's not as useful for the caveman chapter, but, like, in other chapters that becomes really essential. Like I know in the in the wrestling chapter, like positioning yourself and baiting certain moves becomes really important. Alright, I look forward to it. Yeah. I also like how there weren't any like there's no MP or anything. Oh yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty nice. It is a nice battle system with the I think that uh, encourages experimentation. Yeah. Isolated battles. That's that's always nice. That's right. You uh, regain your health after each battle. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I always love that. 
And it makes it feel more tactical, too, because it's like each battle is its own a little tactical setup that you need to execute. Yeah, I think with a battle system like, like this, you need each battle to be on its own. Um, having a continuous HP makes more sense for a more, you know, the more standard Final Fantasy sort of battle system. Yeah. <laughs> so, actually, on that note, uh, I was wondering, though, what's your past experience with tactical RPGs and how much, like, how similar is this to a tactical or strategy RPG or whatever? Mario uh, fan? Well, I have played my fair share of Fire Emblems and Shining Force and Final Fantasy Tactics, but uh, none of that was very helpful here. Really? Well, I I was playing the game under the guise that it was like a an action RPG. Yeah, that it is not. Yeah, that was that was my folly. Okay, that was your folly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was the the broken link in this whole saga. <laughs> no, it it did the not occur to me that <laughs> it did not occur to me that this was to be played more like a, a tactical game because I'm used to tactical games having um like you know a, a menu system for moving around, but here you're moving around yeah. automatically, you know. So it didn't hit me that this was a. Uh, Tactical. Yeah, it's a good point. I do like how um, instead of displaying you how far you can walk, you just get to walk and it takes up time. Um, yeah. It's too big. Um, what are, have your? You said it wasn't too much like a tactical RPG, uh, as I recall. <laughs> yeah, not really. Um, I, I love strategy RPGs, tactical RPGs. It's one of my favorite genres. Shining Force is one of my favorite games. I've played Advance Wars and Fire Emblem and stuff too. Uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. This works pretty differently. Um, because, Especially because in those games, you're usually... The battlefield is much bigger and you have a lot more people to control. In this one, and also each of those characters can't do a whole lot. Like They each have specialized abilities. In this game, you only have like a couple different characters, but then they have like a whole different range of abilities they can use. So it's kind of more about how you use your uh, individual characters and how you strategize using their different skills as opposed to managing a whole a whole army, basically. So it, it works pretty differently, and the arena is also really small compared to other strategy RPGs, so uh, I think there are some of the same principles, but in execution it works very differently. So, where a strategy RPG might be a game of chess where the pieces complement each other, um, this is more, it plays more like a typical JRPG where each character has uh, a multitude of directions to explore in terms of combat? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Um, and, you know, like in a strategy RPG, you'll have an archer unit, and an archer unit can only do ranged attacks. And in this game, like, every character can do melee attacks, and almost every character has some kind of ranged attack. So, it's just, the balance is just a lot different. Yeah, I guess it's, um, part of it is preferring, like, like, Togo and Gori both have poison field attacks, but Gori's is wider 
while uh, Pogo's is more focused and does more damage. So I guess part of it is uh, just which variety you prefer. Um, Shouty, did you have you any experience with tactical RPGs? I played a Fire Emblem game for quite a bit in my youth. And that, but that's about it. Did any of that carry over? I don't think so. I think I played this game rather casually, actually, as far as tactical RPGs go. That is, you know, that's another thing. Um, the battles aren't nearly as long as tactical RPGs. No. You know, that's that's probably a big part of why I enjoy it. Um, I've never been able to get it to Shining Force Two. So yeah, it's just like I feel like I'm just going through battles like there would in any RPG. Yeah, they you have like thirty second encounters. Mm -hmm. It's a, a half minute hero syndrome. Yeah. The battle system in general just has a lot more in common with like turn based RPGs than it does with strategy RPGs. Yeah, even if the format is similar. That's interesting in and of itself, where, I don't know, I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> like, you can't discount the strategy element. But it, no, I mean, I, I think it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. But you still have to account for how the strategy relates more to the typical JRPG sort of stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it borrows elements from both uh, heavily. Um in, in practice, it just ends up being more like a typical JRPG turn-based battle system, but it just kind of has, like, uh, th some of the positioning is nods to tactical RPGs, which I think is kind of cool. It makes it, it makes it more dynamic than, uh, like, a simple turn-based system. It makes it um, more dynamic, yeah, and it I think it also makes it more transparent, where... Um, in JRPGs, your options are typically all in menus, and you have to observe, like, stat buffs and stuff like that. Um, whereas, it's just really easy to think about positioning and how to control your enemies that way. Yeah, I thought it was pretty intuitive. Like, it, the level of battle system just kind of clicked pretty instantly for me, which apparently did not happen for Wario Fan. <laughs> I'm sorry. I Wario Fan ran on instant. Which is appropriate, considering that I have a caveman. <laughs> Are you calling me a Neanderthal? <laughs> no. Is that your best Brooklyn accent? <laughs> you calling me a Neanderthal, huh? He's saying that your ancestors him, had sex with Neanderthals. That's all he's suggesting. <laughs> oh. Oh, man. Now we're getting political. Is that, is that is, political? Is that political? <laughs> <laughs> like that was political. There were there's the Whig Party and there's the Neanderthals. <laughs> well, I know who I'm voting for in 2016. I'm voting for Oog. When a game is unfair, it's just plain not fun, right? Well, maybe not. 
Let's take a closer look at some unfair games and rethink the whole thing. This guy, Brandon Sheffield, he's the editor-in-chief of Game Developer Magazine, and he's talking about his roots as a game player. Uh, he grew up with the Turbo Graphics, and he's talking about a specific move in Valis 3. Uh, he says, This is most likely something one would want to avoid in the modern era, because it feels like the game has tricked you, and you've clearly made the role visually, but it's still counted as a deck. Less obvious, though, is the triumph you feel after defeating that particular difficult section. It's as though you succeeded in spite of the game's efforts to, in spite of the game's efforts to thwart you. You are actually fighting against the game itself, which we're generally told not to do. But in a modern game like Demon Souls, it makes the thrill of victory that much more compelling. So, Supeg, uh, I brought this up before the podcast, and you said you had some words about it. Yeah, uh, well, generally I hate uh, punishing difficulty. That's sort of um, a gamer trait of mine that uh, I don't like really difficult games. Um, I just don't generally have a lot of fun with it. Um, but I, I kind of like the sentiment here because even though I don't like hard games, I like Demon Souls a lot. I like Dark Souls a lot, which seems contrary because those are kind of uh, infamous now for being, like, the really difficult games of, like, this generation. Um, he said, you're kind of fighting against the game itself, which is the feeling that I got with Demon's Souls and Dark Souls, and it was actually satisfying in those games, because the games were built around that idea. Um, like, you, with all the uh, different, like, internet multiplayer things, where you have, like, different players putting down messages and warning you and you can like summon other players to help you in co-op. It just kind of feels like it's everyone versus this really mean game. And it just kind of makes it, it makes it kind of fun because that's how the game is built to begin with. Okay. Um, if I might ask, uh, what's the difference between this and Master of Darkness? Um, Master, I, I did not get the same feeling out of Master of Darkness. Master of Darkness, I don't know. It, I just, I just didn't really. It's, it's hard to um, articulate what the difference is between a game that's designed to be fought against and just a really difficult game. Um, but Dark Souls kind of like flaunts its difficulty. It says you're going to die a lot. It, like, prepares you for it. It's and you're expecting it. You're expecting it, and you also have to, like, you kind of have to outsmart the game. Like, you figure out things, ways to proceed that you wouldn't have thought at first, and it's very different from um, yes. from something like Master of Darkness, where the difficulty doesn't feel like it's always... It doesn't feel like I'm being outsmarted. It's like you move really slowly, and I just felt <laughs> kind of frustrated that I I wasn't able to jump out of the way fast enough at, all the time. I don't know. So it's kind of like um, with Master of Darkness, you definitely have to play within the bounds of the game, but Demon Souls kind of gets you to think outside the box. 
yeah, it kind of makes you think outside of the box, and it just it, I I think it would be, um, I think it really helps you like that the, the little signs you leave on the ground, um, those really help this feeling that it's like you and the rest of the gaming populace are fighting to defeat this really mean game. I think there's an appeal to that. Like, I think that's kind of people turned Winnie the Pooh baseball into something like that. Like, it's just everyone on the internet collaborating to defeat this really evil beast of a game. I didn't expect Winnie the Pooh baseball to come up again. If you don't know what Winnie the Pooh baseball is, it's this really, really hard flash game that is, like, intended for kids, but is impossibly hard. (laughs) But there's, like, sort of a internet camaraderie around people playing that and trying to get through it. (laughs) It's just, it kind of creates sort of an interesting dynamic to it. And Demon Souls and Dark Souls sort of created that dynamic on purpose. So I think that's part of what the appeal is. The Winnie the Pooh dynamic. <laughs> baseball dynamic. So so um what I'm getting is that they should combine Demon Souls and Winnie the Pooh baseball into Pooh's Souls. <laughs> no, Poe's Souls. Oh. Thank you, I'm here all week. Um <laughs> Yay. Shouty, did you have any uh thoughts on that? Uh, that quote? It really strikes me, uh, like, currently, because, um, I just, uh, going back to Drill Dozer, um, that one boss I mentioned that was really difficult, uh, without the controls, um, it has an unexpected second form. Spoilers. So, uh, I don't know. That, I found that kind of frustrating when I was confronted by that second part of the, bo- uh, the, the boss battle, but um, I don't know, I feel like after I got through the first form of that uh, one part, I just wanted to uh, do it over and done with it, so um, I feel like uh, in some cases, like, like maybe if um, it's a really, uh, like, like a battle that um, means something to the game's plot, and uh, if the context uh, just shows that it's like a really long, grueling battle, then um, I feel like the game should uh, come up and be with something hard instead of, um, uh, I don't know, just being very um, tedious and long and drawn out. So, I guess what it sounds like is uh, Drill Dozer failed to engage you as, like, you didn't get the thrill of fighting with the game itself. No, I didn't. <laughs> Why would I want to fight with a being that has such a wonderful aesthetic? That's okay. Let's see. Because he insulted your mother. Um, I, I think... didn't hear anything about that. Drill Dozer's a she. Yeah. Well, the robot, I don't know. I think it's an indeterminate gender. It's a drill gender. And then again, I feel like I should have expected that second form because most bosses uh, will will rise from the ashes in that game, as it were. That's Nothing to do with the second form. Oh. So, Wario fan, have you ever had the experience of fighting against the game itself? Um, like when the game is, is difficult, 
to the point where you're like, you gotta beat this? Um, like, like, if that's how you see the quote, I mean, it's kind of open for interpretation. Oh. Like, uh, like Ninja Gaiden hard, or? Cause, sure. uh, I, I got, I felt pretty, uh, victorious managing to beat the original NES Ninja Gaiden without any save states whatsoever. Did you use continues? That's amazing. Of course. Of course <laughs> I use continues. I'm not, I'm not perfect. <laughs> yeah, I beat it my first time with my eyes closed. <laughs> um, he's not Battletoads good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, La Mulana was pretty tricky too. Come to think of it, even not uh, even with a guide. Uh, no, I think the guide pretty much uh, spoiled me there. But um, I I can't imagine being able to figure most of that stuff out on your on my own because that it's uh really a brain scratcher and how to. You know, figure out some of the riddles in that game. I mean, it's incredibly satisfying uh, getting a new treasure, but gosh, they uh, they really like trapping you. <laughs> Are the riddles on the level of uh, badly translated original Zelda text? Uh, no, not quite. It's 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 purposely cryptic. Oh. I mean, there's always a context to it. But, like, you gotta figure out, oh, when does this context come into play? Or does this involve this room, or does it involve a room later on? Or Oh, that sort of thing. Yeah. Where you don't know where, you don't know where you're looking for. It's it's always vague, and, and there's there's not a whole lot to help you. There's no there's no Navi, as it were, to point you in the right direction. No Midna, no Fee. No Fine. Cattle. Fee. Fine. Fee. Oh. <laughs> um. Uh, anyway, I guess there are a lot of novies in in games currently. Where, um, like in the last story, it's sort of an action tactical RPG. Um, except your teammates constantly tell you what strategy to use. Like, oh, you want to flank them from this side. Um, and I'm playing Castlevania: Mirror of Fate, and they always give you an arrow to your your next destination, even though it's sort of an open world. Um, but that makes sense. It's more an action game than a an, an adventure game, so I wouldn't want to be searching around anyway. Yeah, your Navi in Dark Souls is the rest of the internet. That's right. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting in that regard. I never thought of it like that. Um, and you just have to hope that they say anyway. helpful things instead of just putting praise the sun everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> have you tried talking to Saria? I guess personally, um, I felt like I was fighting against the game in uh, in Super Mario Brothers: The Lost Levels in Yoshi's Island, where just to beat Lost Levels, you encounter a lot of deception, and it was kind of a neat game of like, you know, where's the next invisible coin block gonna be? Where I knew the game was gonna try to screw me over at in a, at every turn possible, and it was a matter of like predicting how it would try to do that. So that was pretty satisfying. Um, and Yoshi's Island has the same sort of stuff, uh, when you try to 100% it, where there's a lot of, there's a lot of challenges that just seem like zany and off the wall and like, uh, you know, grabbing a red coin before it scrolls off screen because like a shy guy stays on screen for all of two seconds. When you're trying to 100% that game, it's really mean spirited and it's kind of fun to play along with. Yeah, don't get me started with more monkey madness. Oh goodness. Monkey Madness. 
I was, I was watching a bunch of people play Ikaruga yesterday. That's an interesting one. Speaking of mean-spirited games. Is that game mean Well, it's difficult. But I feel like it's just like, that's what shmups are. I guess. There, <laughs> there, were just like, there were some things that just seemed really, really devious about it. We can't all be parodious. Parodious <laughs> <laughs> is pretty easy. Ikaruga? Or parodious. Oh, oh. Yeah, I think that's what the point. It's really meaningless it's continuous in checkpoints. So it was uh, R-Type 3. Oh, well. Rip Rip and Peace, Iron. I remember them. <laughs> Thank you, John. Oh, look, he thinks he's Seinfeld. No, that's John Tron, not Seinfeld. John Tron. Who thinks he's Don Tron? Sign Tron. Can can Ego Raptor be Kramer, <laughs> or would he be George? I don't know. E- Ego Raptor would be like Newman. The worst parts of Newman and like the worst parts of George. <laughs> Are you saying George has flaws? Um. <laughs> George and Larry David. He is flaws. Is this now a Seinfeld podcast? I hope so. <laughs> We're going to talk about if if they made an Ocarina of Time movie, which Seinfeld actors would we use in what places? <laughs> I think Ego Raptor is like every Seinfeld character. Because the point of Seinfeld is that every character is just a really horrible person. To oh. their very core. Yeah. But what if an Ego Raptor fan hears this? No, it's all one viewer. <laughs> or I like his animation. Um, I like his animation. No. <laughs> uh. We're gonna go to the pronunciation corner. At his desk is is Shouty. Uh, Shouty, how how do you pronounce this game's name? I've always pronounced it as uh, Live Alive. Live Alive. Interesting. Yeah. Mario fan, how do you pronounce this game's title? I go for uh, Live Alive. Okay. I'm, I'm glad one of us is. Um, so, so Seafag, what have you concluded on, on how to pronounce this title? I have always pronounced it Live a Live. Yeah. Yeah. We have such I diversity in this podcast. Have, I think Live a Live been, is, the, is the correct pronunciation, though. It, it probably is. It, the whole thing smells like something that, that maybe makes more sense in, like, English than it does in English. Although the Japanese pronunciation is uh, "raibu a raibu," which would translate more into "live alive." Oh well, yeah. So, I guess mine is correct, but I prefer "live alive." There's also um the second "live," "live" is backwards. Yeah. I don't know what that means. 
You need to be lying. I really don't want to. Live <laughs> <a> evil. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a confusing title. Um, we haven't had much use for the pronunciation desk, so I'm glad we were able to put it to use. Uh, all that money didn't go for nothing after all. Exactly. Uh, I got a new desk. What? I got a new desk. <laughs> you can only use it I can safely say this was a Kickstarter well with the effort. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, final words. Warrior fan? Um, I think I'm going to reevaluate my playing styles with this game and tackle it from a different angle. That sounds like a good idea. Absolutely. You mean tackle enemies from a different angle? No, literally tackle my computer screen. Zipeg, <laughs> <laughs> uh, any final words? Uh, well, uh, I've played this game before, but I'm having fun with it again, and uh, I look forward to re-experiencing the rest of it. Why? Why isn't this chapter as good as Ninja? <laughs> <laughs> this chapter is better than Ninja. Oh. Both chapters are better than Ninja. Oh no! I hope hmm. someone doesn't hear this. I heard it. And Ninja <laughs> my favorite. Censor it! Censor it! <laughs> but robots are the best. We can have all these yeah. discussions later. Robots definitely the best. Oh, of course you think robots the best. Of course I do. Robots the best. No, Gundam is the best chapter. <laughs> <laughs> there actually is kind of a Gundam chapter, so. Oh. Yeah. And it's not my favorite. It could probably be the worst game in the world. We could put a Gundam in it and you'd love it. This is very true. Tim and Eric, the game featuring a Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> I might draw the line. <laughs> that might just be negative enough to cancel out Gundam. Hey Tim, let's activate the diarrhea Gundam. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> what are you doing? Why? I'm sorry, I ruined every Gundam now. <laughs> Shouty, uh, can, can you help us recover from that? Um, only if you beat the mammoth. Say that again? Only if you beat the mammoth. Oh. Did you beat the mammoth? Yeah. Uh, was, was it worth it? Um. Um, yes. In some ways. Uh, but no. In which I can't spoil. Oh. How many squares does he take up? Um, five million. Oh my god, I'm I'm not doing this one. <laughs> uh, did I say five million? I meant, uh, point five. Oh, oh alright. <laughs> I got Sounds my like scientific that mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> not on the metric system. Alright, it's, uh, it's been a blast. Uh, yeah. Hopefully we'll continue with the live a live, live a live, live a live, 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 and uh, see you around. Uh,
All music used on this podcast was taken from Live Alive. I'll leave you on this final note. While discussing the quote of the week, we covered the concept that it's important for developers to convey their intentions clearly. For instance, even though Dark Souls is a very frustrating and demanding game, it can still be fun because the developers let you know up front what you're in for. It seems to me, then, that games have a special ability to communicate that we haven't seen in other mediums. For instance, uh, we read a 400-year-old English book, and we can't understand a lick of it. So that makes me wonder, will video games have a greater staying power than any other media? I don't know. It's something to consider. Anyway, I'll see you around.